welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Melanie Huster, and I am glad that you are here with me today. We're going to have a conversation with Santosh Swamidas, who is passionate about equipping the church to disciple kids to have lasting faith. When I had this conversation with Santosh, it was one that when the recording stopped, we couldn't stop talking about what it looked like to equip the church and disciple kids. Discipling kids isn't easy. It's something that we are equipped with day after day. And if you haven't read The Faith of Our Children, you need to add that to your bookshelf. In fact, we are giving away chapter five for free. And in that chapter is included an entire suite of resources to help you connect with what God is calling you to do with the eight timely research insights for discipling the next generation. But for now, here's that conversation with Santosh. Yeah, my name Santosh actually means joyful or satisfied. And my last name Swamidas means servant of God. So um, I hope to be a joyful servant of God. That's not coincidence. Like your parents intentionally chose <laughs> they, that, right? Like that's incredible. And, and my middle name, which people don't believe when I tell them my first and last time, my middle name is John, which means by the grace of God. So that's what ties it all together. I can be a joyful yeah. servant of God because of his grace. Wow. Talking about, talk, like talk about a name helping to chart the path for what it looks like for you to connect as a child of God through his grace. That's, that's incredible. I love that. (laughs) So um, I kind of have a delight question for you. Okay. You know, you're talking about your parents and your name. I wonder, you know, we talk so much about what it's like to disciple kids. What were you like as a kid? (laughs) What was I like as a kid? Uh, I don't know that I was very interesting. I mean, I, I love to read. I, I I was, I, I guess in a lot of ways I was a, Uh, a very normal kid. I I didn't actually care much for sports. Uh, I, well, here is some way that I was weird. I, (laughs) I, my heroes weren't like policemen, firemen, you know, all of those typical things. I enjoyed that, but we had a lot of missionaries in our house. My parents always Mm. had people staying with us. And so my heroes were missionaries and Mm. it wasn't like this far off idea of somebody. Those were like aunties and uncles for me. And, um, and so for me, that was always something that was really amazing to hear about what was going on in different parts of the world. And um, so that was one thing that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I as a kid, um, I, I was very, thank- I'm very thankful as you were talking about my parents who gave me this name and who they taught me a lot about God. They were the first ones who did disciple me. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but what was I like as a kid? I don't know if it was much more interesting <laughs> than that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, give me like a glimpse into uh, kind of like what, how did you perceive God in that childlike mind and that childlike faith yeah. that you had? That's a great question. And I think it, it depends on what stage you're talking about. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, as a young child, it, it's more perceiving him as creator I, I do mm. remember loving dinosaurs, typical little boy, right? I, I loved dinosaurs and I memorized all these different types. And, and it was just the awe of a God who created us and understanding. I, I decided at a very young age because of the influence and the teachings of my parents 
uh, that I wanted to follow Jesus. But at that mm-hmm. age, you know, at four years of age, I didn't really understand the fullness of that. I knew mm-hmm. that I made mistakes and knew that I wanted God in my life and I wanted him to lead me. And so as I got older, I started understanding more of that as I became, you know, 10 years old and understanding the depth of a committed decision as I became, you know, as I started going on missions trips and seeing pain in the world and what God actually wants me to engage in because of his heart of compassion. You know, as I as I uh, grew and learned a lot about biblical literacy and understanding the mission, then by the time I got to high school, I couldn't wait to go and share the gospel with people who don't know Christ. And so and in all of those, you run into different barriers, different challenges, different pains. But then that takes you to new understanding of what this relationship with Jesus is really all about. Mm. Was there a moment for you like in high school, maybe early college? I'm not sure when it was. Um, where you begin to see like that, like just real defined clarity come on, like, this is what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Yeah. I I think there are different stages, you know, even as an adult, I I think I've realized different things becoming a parent. Wow. Now I understand more what God says when he says he's our father. And, And, you know, we can, I can chart back at different stages of my life new steps of maturity and understanding. So I think it it wasn't just one moment in terms of understanding that relationship with God, but I I would say that it was in high school that I started to own my own faith. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially for kids who grow up within a household where you see faith modeled, it's a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful thing. But sometimes it can get a little unclear, even for the child. Is this just something that I do? Is this what my parents talk about? Is this what we do as a family? Or is it what mm-hmm. I truly believe? Mm-hmm. And it was in high school. I had a great youth pastor as well. And I remember we were at a Christian camp and I wanted to do a prayer meeting. <laughs> and so there was, a, you know, just to gather people together and pray. And so I did that. And, and the youth pastor showed up and there were something like 60 people there. And I thought, okay, the youth pastor is here. He's going to lead it. And he just sat and he and he let me lead that. And I realized this was a significant moment for me to say, this is a decision for me to choose to follow God, to invite mm-hmm. others into that decision, to be part of this. And even to see other leaders who say, we honor the fact that you are choosing to follow God. So that was one of those clear moments for me. And 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 that was i wouldn't say that i didn't have a personal faith before but i think that's when it became more clear for me that it was my choice to follow god by god's grace yeah yeah absolutely thanks for just sharing that there's such a beautiful opportunity as we look at like childhood faith where we recognize that like yes there are defining moments but it's like all of those moments along the way and um, a couple months ago, I was talking with a leader that um, we were just kind of like processing back and forth the ways that the Lord reveals himself to us in the developmental stage in which we can understand and handle. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so then how the way that we understand that concept changes with the ways that we change and can understand God differently. Absolutely. And so it, it it's part of why the word of God is living and active, right? And the Holy Spirit uses all of that on a daily basis, connecting us to his word. Um, and so I love that 
this journey has kind of been a space where you've seen God so differently. You're just talking about your heroes being the the aunties and the uncles of uh, they were they were your heroes in the faith, right? They were people who yeah. you saw like just walking and talking the ways of Jesus. And so fast forward to today where you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what God has called me to be and do. And I've, I've been told what I've heard. And I'd love to hear more is that that's helping kids to really understand what it's like to think and live on mission. So tell me more about what that means. Yeah. You know, it is a lot of what I've experienced as a child. I think one of the important things uh, was to have people in my own home, people I knew who were missionaries and who yeah. were living out their faith. And I, and even my parents who were living very missionally and for them to be close to me, people I could see and touch and interact with that. It didn't seem like this far off idea of to be a missionary is to be somebody who is in a book and somebody who mm -hmm. is doing something so crazy. And yes, they were living very courageously. They were taking big risks. And so uh, it, it was significant, but it wasn't distant. Yeah. And I think that was a critical piece for me because it wasn't intimidating in the ways that I think it is for many people. Now, mm -hmm. it still is intimidating when I decided to be all in for Jesus, of course, there are big things that you still feel. There are challenges. When I decided to go overseas, I I, I spent some time living in an underground, uh, in, in a, a closed country, sharing the gospel. To make that decision, it was still a big decision, but it wasn't the fears of, I've never experienced anybody who's done this before. I don't know yeah. this idea, this concept is so foreign. Yeah. And even when we talk about in our own homes, I think to be around those who are living out their faith and for them to put it in terms and in context of living on mission, that helped me to understand as a student, as, as somebody in the, in the workforce, in, in different industries, that I could be a missionary in those places too, because it doesn't have to be going overseas. So I think in all of those ways, to be close to that, it, it was really important for me in, in terms of my formation to see mm -hmm. that. And that became a big part of who I am today, wanting others to see that, wanting yeah. to have the next generation experience that, not just something as an idea or something that's distant and to elevate missionaries as these people who are these holy saints that are untouchable, <laughs> mm, yeah. but rather as, hey, these are brothers and sisters, and, and we all are because of Christ, we are called his saints. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I, I love the way that you describe like the accessibility of understanding that often what missionaries do that feels so foreign beyond, you know, potentially going to a land that is foreign, yeah. right? Like what feels so foreign is their willingness and their just, um, humility to say, okay, good Lord, like here I am, send me. And it, and the reason it feels like it winds up like elevating them because the person who's hearing the story doesn't know how they could ever make that decision. Right. Right. That must be a different level of faith because man, that's quite a sacrifice. And yeah. so what I hear you saying is like, it's helping kids to understand that, um, that is one way 
of how it looks to live on mission. And we need to find ourselves surrounded with stories to understand that. But there's also a way without ever having to leave your own home that you can live on mission within your community. So uh, what what does that look like? What does that journey look like for you as you've discovered it? That's a really important question because I think we can get that idea of mission very confused. Like you said, with it's just going abroad. It's it's going yeah. to a foreign place. And I think the the true calling that we all have is that we live missionally wherever we go. And and I think it's it's that dual part when we're actually interacting with those who are living missionally, um, whether they are people who are on vacation or coming back on a sabbatical mm-hmm. from being overseas, yeah. or whether it's people who are embedded here in our community, but who live missionally. Either way, we get to understand that this is a whole life. It's not just a job. It's yeah. not just a, uh, I'm stationed out there for this season and then I'm done. Th- this is a lifestyle saying I am committed to the mission that God has called me on. And and to eat with people and realize that, yeah, they're still struggling through different things or they're learning what it is to eat foods that they don't like, even if it's here in my own home or whatever it might be. It's understanding that the missional call it's a mindset that we take everywhere we go. And, and so one of the things that I learned early on is that if I'm not going to live missionally here, then why would I expect that I live missionally there? Yeah. And, and so it's, it's building in that mindset. And so when you even talk about how do we help kids with that mindset, I think part of it is, it's framing it for them. It's helping them understand. And, and I think the broader question, even about discipleship, it's just engaging in a lot of those conversations so that we can Mm -hmm. have these complex spiritual ideas because that's where it usually resides, but to bring it into a very approachable topic that they can understand and say, yeah, to live on mission is to understand that God has made me for a purpose. And Mm -hmm. part of that is to let other people know how they can experience the fullness of God here and even in heaven. Yeah. Mm, that I I love the way that that equips parents to really connect their kids today. And I mean, a, a, anybody can look at our current culture and, and recognize that uh, where we've been and where we currently are look very different than what it has in the past, right? Um, and so I, I know from my own personal life as a parent, but also with my friends and my church friends and my loved ones and the leaders that I talk to, like we're all kind of sitting in this space of um, recognizing that because the world is beginning to look so different from us, we have to be really clear about choosing to live on mission as you've described it. And so I'd love to hear like, so how do we living today in today's church here, particularly in the U.S., right? Like how do we help parents to impart these things to their kids and disciple them and recognize that that like hey this is gonna possibly make us look a lot different than the people around us and some of our kids are gonna be fine with that right because they walk to the beat of their own drum and they're gonna have no problem others of our kids are going to be incredibly intimidated by that yeah well you know even with with the way that we talk about that question, we have to start with, you're sort of assuming this idea of intentionality, which is so important. Mm -hmm. And and I think we have to recognize how important it is and how much we need to be intentional. So it's really interesting when you think about rockets as they go to the moon, if you, if you send a rocket to the moon, 
it takes about somewhere between 80 to 90, 95% of the fuel just to get it out of orbit. Huh. It, it takes an immense amount of energy when you think about cost um, and focus just to launch it. But if you can do that, that is the most dangerous part. Yeah. But once you can do that, you're you're likely to have success on the rest of the whole journey. Mm. And so when we think about parenting, it is such a challenging task. But what we have to say is, are we willing to be intentional to really put that amount of energy, focus, mm. attention into raising them so that they are prepared for the rest of their journey? Yeah. And and if we can't start there, then then, then we're not going to get to where we need to get. If we're just talking yeah. about having our kids survive to go to college, that's not enough. It's yeah. got to be about how do we prepare them so that they're ready for everything that comes next. Yeah. And, but then even if you have parents who are ready for that, who are in, invested in that, I think there are a lot of barriers. And I love that what you said about how do we train them? How do we equip them? Because a lot of parents are are wondering, how do we do that? Especially now. But I think it's been a question for a long time. How do we do that? Yeah. And the Bible says that we need to train up a child in the yeah. way that it should go. And, and so the question is, how do we do that? And th- there are a number of things. Uh, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter six, like there's this yeah. really beautiful challenge, right? And when when God was speaking to Moses and saying, okay, to the people of Israel, I want you to follow me. And I've given you, uh, I've, I've mapped it out. Yeah. I've given you commands. Yeah. And he said, this is what you need to do. He sort of gives some really strong principles of what it is to train up the next generation. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, a really, some really valuable things without going into all sorts of detail. I mean, it talks about the idea of memorizing God's words, about putting it in our heart. It talks about the idea of um, about talking about these things, impressing them on our children when we walk mm-hmm. on the road, when we sit, when we lie down, when we stay, when we get up. That, that seems really, if you really think about it, it seems exhausting. It's like, wait, those are the times yeah, I need right. to get some rest. <laughs> like I just, how many moms are like, can I just have five minutes of quiet? I'm not yeah. trying to leave dad out. Dad's out here. There's probably tons of dads who have said that too. I'm just a mom who knows that I've been in the driver's seat of the car and I've been like, y'all, can I just have five minutes? Just five <laughs> minutes of quiet. And it's like, oh wait, but like, according to like culturally today, that's when we're on the path, right? That's when we're yeah. leading the different areas of where our life takes us. Absolutely. So it yeah. takes, and like, to, like to your point, like the intentionality space there has to require us to say, like, yes, I need five minutes of quiet, and maybe that is what's most important in this moment. But also, what if I took two, and yeah. I use the other three to start a conversation about the Lord? Yeah, and and I don't want to make it feel overwhelming in the sense that every single breathing, waking moment we have to be having yeah. these types of conversations. But I do think that there are some really powerful principles embedded there. And I think when I when I see that passage, one of the principles is to talk intentionally often with your kids. Yeah. yeah. And okay, so the idea of discipleship is a very big theological, spiritual word yeah. that a yeah. lot of people get very intimidated by, and. And so one of the things that I've really been encouraging people to think about is what is at the core of discipleship? Instead of thinking yeah. about this big, scary word that a lot of people don't really have touch points to. So to think about I'm responsible for my children, that just becomes even more overwhelming. But I think one simple way, even according to this passage that we can frame discipleship 
uh, is that discipleship happens with continual spiritual conversations of substance. Mm. It's the idea that we're continuing these conversations. And a lot of parents might even say, but I don't know, what if they bring up this question that I don't have an answer to? Yeah. Well, the beauty is to say, you know what, let's look that up together or let's go ask our pastor what they think about it. That is discipleship. That's yeah. teaching our kids how we can go to other spiritual leaders, how we can study the word together. That is a valuable component of discipleship. So the mm-hmm. idea of continual conversations, I think that's embedded right here. That's what it's talking about when as we go on this path, as we get up, as we sit down. And I think it's also talking about this idea of building discipleship into our relational routines. Yeah. The idea of it's not just curriculum or books. I'm not just going to give my kids things. It's true discipleship is not curriculum or content. Those are supportive Mm -hmm. things, but true discipleship requires relationship. Yeah. So to say like, I'm going to have these conversations before we go to bed, let's build this into our routine. As we, as we eat, it's not about, you know, Lord bless this food as if the food needs to be blessed. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's about, but if we think about it slightly different, say, you know what, this is part of our routine that we can take a moment to thank God for his provision and we can approach God together as a family that just changes the perspective altogether. Yeah. And so that's part of relational routine. So I think in, in Deuteronomy that it's, it's talking about constant conversation. It's talking about spiritual, you know, memorization of scripture. It's talking about this idea of relational routine and it's, it's also talking about physical presence, putting these things on your doorposts, on your gates. Yeah. And um, there, there's a lot even to that, which a lot of research has even shown that when you have things that there's this idea of physical permanence on the wall, you know, yeah. um, it, it actually helps us to learn and, and, and grow more. Yeah. It's that, like, I was thinking as you were talking about the idea of like um, compounding interest, right? That it's like, start with a little. And then yeah. just like watch it continue to go. Just just daily effort, little at a time. Yeah. That's going to be the thing that continues to grow. And all of a sudden you look back and you're like, at the time it was only five minutes. Yeah. But a year later, that's yeah. turned into hours of time yes. where I've spent talking to my kids versus the opposite, which there's so much space for like big segmented times of discipleship too. But what often we, we limit ourselves to is this space of, well, I need to make sure that I'm sitting down with them and we read through this and we pray and we have this 30 solid minutes of time together. And it's honestly just a lot of times unrealistic. I'm just yeah. going to be honest, yeah. right? It's unrealistic as parents to try and figure out what that looks like. And and so instead of taking discipleship and saying, well, it doesn't fit into my schedule, so I'll find it a different way. What we're saying in that space is it's that and it's also the everyday moments. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's the little bits, like the little bits in between where we're saying like, hey, that's a really great question. Um, I wonder if you had any thoughts about that before I answer. Right. Oh, like yeah. and then just digging into that or I love your 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 thinking around prayer, like trying to identify like, hey, kids, before we pray really quick, do you know why we pray? I just want to stop for a second. And even I know for our family asking the question is what we're doing working. And we particularly asked this question around the concept of prayer because we found that um, as our, as our kids started getting older, it was the like, can I pray? Okay. God bless this fruit. Okay. Amen. Right. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. I think we're missing the point. 
And yeah. so we kind of started a new family thing where we would say, all right, let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. And now our kids, if we like start eating or we go in and, and, and what let us give thanks to the Lord, our God does it then shifts us into where each of us go around the table and say, like, in this moment, I'm really thankful the Lord did this in my life. Yeah. And it's like a way yeah. of, of doing that around a meal. Um, and so then anyway, now our kids will say things like, whoa, whoa, let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. And they'll look around and we'll be like, you're right. Okay. Sorry. And, and, awesome. and it's a beautiful time. And, but I, but it took, Honestly, it it took a moment where we realized, oh man, this is not working <laughs> to yeah. then try to figure out. So then what is working? Uh, and so, yeah. That's so I good. think what I love about what you're describing is uh, understanding that the Bible has laid out and I, and I want to revisit, you know, you kind of define discipleship there for a second. And I'd love for you to kind of revisit that um, so that we can hear it one more time. Cause I, I, I just think it was so good. Um, but before you do that, what I loved was you're defining this space of like, Hey, here's what it looks like now allow the Lord to lead you with what you put out first, which is just intentionality. Yeah. Like don't have high expectations around what you think it should look like, or like just be intentional and let the Lord bring opportunities of discipleship your way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so the, the, the wording that I used around discipleship, the premise is that true discipleship requires relationship. Yeah. Discipleship is built around continual spiritual conversations of substance. Yeah. And so the idea is that it's ongoing, that it's spiritual conversations and it's, and yeah. it's going deeper, you know, as a parent of multiple kids, I started asking this question when we had, uh, you know, our second and then our third and, you know, on our way thinking how, when you're a parent of one child, you pour all of that attention and energy into helping that one child to, to be raised up and trained up in, in godly yeah. ways. But you have another child. And the first thing that came to my mind is there's absolutely no way physically I can put that amount of time into my second child because yeah. there's two and then yeah. three and then so on. Yeah. And how do you do that? And, and so one piece that any uh, parent with multiple children recognizes right away is, well, one of the principles that helps you with that is, is that First of all, your kids love each other. They pour into each other and that's a benefit. But but when you come home or when for, for someone who's coming home from that moment or when you're stepping into a situation, what you're really looking for is which child is in need of care for specific things at that moment. Yeah, You become more attentive to what's going on, hopefully. And you say, well, what is the need for, the, for a particular child? Because sometimes I need some one-on-one -on -one time with a child. It's taking that type of intentionality in spiritual matters. So for instance, in sports, when a child loses and they're really frustrated, instead yeah. of just saying, hey, let's get over it and just move on to the next thing. We got to focus on homework right now and move on. Taking that and saying, okay, this is actually a moment that we can talk about what's really important. How do we turn to God when we need to bounce back and be resilient? Whatever those issues are, let's dive in and bring God into this conversation. Because those are the moments that if we pass them by, we're going to miss out on the beauty of God, what God wants to form in their hearts. Yeah. You know, um, when you talk about that idea of the five minutes every day, yeah. it's really, it's really interesting. Even when you think about adults, the way that we typically teach leadership 
it, it usually you wait till mid twenties and you know, you have somebody who's a high performer in a business or whatever. So, you know, what, let's get some leadership training for this person. And there's a seminar or maybe some books or a conference. Yeah. And typically the way that we do leadership development is we're going to just give you a fire hydrant, a level <laughs> of experience with leadership in one week or one weekend. Yeah, That's like, that's like saying, okay, you can eat as much as you want from this all you can eat buffet, fill your pockets. But once you leave here, you don't get to eat anything the rest of the week of the, of the yeah. year. It just doesn't work. Most people pick up one mm-hmm. idea, one trait. Yeah. But the reality is, and this is the way it is with parenting, it's not about pouring that immense effort in in that one moment. It's about the steady, slow drip infusion, taking that time day after day, developing that relationship. And and the way that I like to think about it is at the end of this next year or the end of the time, by the time I get my kids ready to go to college, do I want to have them pumped full of knowledge or do I want them to have a vibrant relationship where they know that they can talk to me about anything spiritually? I don't think it has to be either or, but if I had to choose, I would lean towards the latter because knowledge yeah. can still come over the rest of their life. Yeah. And if yeah. they don't have any allies, any people who are coming alongside to help continue to disciple and walk with them, yeah. then it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. You're going to have a challenge of really putting that into action and understanding the context and the wisdom for all of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awana has done um, a number of research projects. And one of the most recent ones we've done is called Children's Ministry in a New Reality. Mm. And and it did a number of things, but it kind of gave us an an identifier of like, where's children's ministry? And like, what does it look like next? And one of the things that came out of that was that if a child has a loving, caring adult in their life, right? Those same things you're talking about, somebody who cares for them, somebody who's just looking at them and says that they know them, they are more likely to like be more engaged with scripture, attend church, like have deep conversations, feel safe. Like there's a whole list of things that only all it takes is one loving, caring adult for a like just giant door of opportunity yeah. Or faith formation to happen in their life. Yeah. And so it's that one person could be a parent. It could be a leader in the church. It could be yeah. an auntie or an uncle. It could be any person. And 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 hopefully we're seeing our child um surrounded by multiple, yeah. right? That it's not just one. But the point is that it's actually the the data says that multiple is great, but it really actually only takes one yeah. for those who only have one. And so I, I do wonder in all that you're talking about, it's so, so inspiring. And it makes me as a parent want to sit there and say, yes, yes, yes. But then there's this other side of me that comes with, okay, but, right. Yeah. And I finish, I finish that with, okay, but I'm really tired. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm really tired. And sometimes I just don't have the energy. And then I finish that statement with like, okay, but like with all the good intention that I have, I don't really know how to disciple my kids. Yeah. And so like, what are some, just, what are some more, like how, how do we as parents recognize that there is a gap there between what we want to do and sometimes like what actually happens or what we feel like we can, we can do. Yeah. You know, I think you highlighted the two big barriers for most parents. And the way that I categorize them is in the area of competency, competency, 
Yeah. Where a lot of parents will say, I, I didn't go to seminary. I, I don't know how to answer all these questions. I'm not yeah. sure how to disciple. And yeah. that leads to confidence issues, right? If I'm not mm -hmm. competent, then I'm not confident. So yeah. that's the first area. And the second one is capacity. I don't have time. <laughs> My yeah. kids don't have time. And yeah. for any of us who are parents, we recognize that this world is increasingly busy, not just for us, which it is, but even for our kids. It yeah. is it is amazing how much is required or expected. And those are very real concerns, competence and capacity. So how do we deal with that? I, I think Part of it is what we were talking about. How do we make it a more simpler approach? It doesn't have to be a seminary level theological uh, class every single day. I'm not saying those are bad things to to give that type of uh, understanding and teaching, but but also like our churches could help support that, right? <laughs> absolutely, right, right. I think I think the model. So when you bring up churches, I think that we need to shift for a lot of churches from the mindset of churches and church staff discipling kids to churches mm -hmm. and church staff really truly bringing frameworks and 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 a, and a situation uh, the creating the right environment that parents are the ones to actually be the disciples of their kids yeah. and i mean that's ephesians chapter 4 right that right. christ has given the apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers for the work uh, of training up, equipping uh, the, the people of God for works yeah. of service. So that is yeah. part of what we're called to do. And and part of the reason I've become more and more uh, strong in my belief of that is because on average, we have families going one and a half times a month to church. Yeah. So we're talking about what, 18 hours a year, maybe <laughs> at yeah. most to disciple these kids. There's just no way it's going to happen. Yeah. It, it goes back to that fire hydrant idea. It's just not enough. So yeah. it has to come. There, there's got to be a radical shift in our in our church culture, if you want to put it that way, in how we are going to raise the next generation. Mm. And so it's creating the environment. So what you said is really true. If we have more more support in, hey, we want to help provide some of the deeper theology, some of the curriculum that we will support yeah. you in. That's one way of doing it. But I think the other thing is again just building the regular rhythms. How do we help parents to establish those rhythms? What is a framework of different language that we can talk about? What is in our home? We use one theme a week and say, this is a biblical principle. So yeah. whether it like, and, and it's based upon a, a trait that we talk about each month, this month, we're talking about perseverance and mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at the theme of having tenacity and mm -hmm. we look at, okay, well, what does God say about that? And so it makes it real simple. Even our youngest children can engage in some level, yeah. usually. The older ones can have a different level of conversation. And at the different levels, we can engage in different ways. Yeah. So that's one example of just how do, how do we actually start to approach this together in a way that, that parents don't have to feel like they have to take on the world and do everything, yeah. but they can still continue one step at a time in this, in this journey. Yeah, I I love the way that you piece that out. And honestly, what I love most about that is for anybody who's going to be attending the Child Discipleship Forum in September, which you will be speaking at, and I am just thrilled to continue to get a deep dive into um, just 
more of what the Lord has laid on your heart because this time together, honestly, has not been enough. So I'm looking forward to the forum (laughs) where we get to hear more. Um, But honestly, what we are going to be having a conversation out that I just started talking about today that will happen at the forum is this idea of what we talk about when we say children's ministry is a space where, you know, we've been talking as a community of like, let's shift the conversation from children's ministry to child discipleship. Yes. Right. And really lean into child discipleship and then saying then, okay, child discipleship, if that's what we're doing, what does that look like? And how is the community coming around the child to help that child know, love and serve Jesus in a deeper way? Yeah. And what if we as a church are actually looking at it through the framework that needs to be tweaked just a little bit to look differently at the parents um, from what we've been, which is like, just get him into church to, or saying like, Hey, th- this stalemate that we've identified where it's like, well, the church is saying that it's the parent's job and the parents are like, yeah, well, good luck. Cause I don't know what I'm doing and I don't really right. have time. So I'm just going to depend on the church to do it. And we're saying like, Hey, there might be a better way, yeah. right? There might be a space where we can, as the church partner with parents yeah to engage the family in child discipleship. So you just pulled that together in such a beautiful way. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.